You're listening to the Get Clitorate Podcast, a space dedicated to the female experience. I'm your host, holistic health practitioner and women's sexual health expert, Callie Shea. All right, so I am joined by the fabulous Joe Incarnacion from GoFit Joe. I have been following Joe for a long time, and I'm just obsessed with her and her content and everything, and so excited to have her on this podcast. So thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to get into a lot of topics in this episode today, talking about um, just relationships, polyamory, talking about um you know, healing, emotional wellness, things like that. And so can you just tell us a little bit before we jump into everything, who you are, what you do in a nutshell? Yeah. So it's always really funny to kind of be introducing myself in this state of my life, because I like to tell people I am currently a woman in progress. And I love that statement because it is currently the state of my life. Like I am just in progress, in evolution, and I'm loving that kind of sense of being of where I'm at right now. So um, by profession and what I do, I'm a sexual empowerment coach. I help women drop into their bodies and help them cultivate a sense of deep embodied self-care through self-pleasure and through stepping into their sensual power. Um, and how I arrived here, I guess, is, I mean, it's, it's a really organic and fluid journey. I was a hairstylist for 10 years. And then I worked in tech for six years, which is where I discovered uh, my own unhealthy habits of not speaking up for myself, not taking care of myself and not really putting myself first, especially as a mom of two and previously married in a relationship that um, I was married in for like 12 years and, and been in for almost 18 years. And really like not, you know, doing the, doing the thing that women do, which is not taking care of their bodies and not taking care of their well-being, right? And so that's where my wellness journey began. And as I evolved as a wellness coach, when I left my startup, um, I started talking a little bit more about my sexual trauma openly online. And that's when it really dawned on me that uh, I really needed to step into the realm of sexual empowerment, mainly because a lot of my issues um, as a woman trying to heal and trying to get better and trying to cultivate a strong sense of self was really deeply rooted from the wounds and pain of sexual trauma. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, just hearing your story is so amazing. And so, and I want to talk about your marriage, the divorce process, that for a little bit. So can you share whatever you're comfortable sharing about how it's been navigating that process and what you've learned about yourself through that? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, divorce has been something that has been probably brought up in my previous marriage several times since 2015. Mm -hmm. And I grew up as a Filipino American and daughter of immigrants. And my family was very much so in the culture of you stick with it. You stick with it all the way through the end and you work at it until, death do you part because this is what you committed to, even though you may or may not be happy, or even though you might intuitively not know or intuitively know that this wasn't right for you, but you just keep going at it because you kind of, you know, you're taught by society and by conditioning to, de to deny yourself and to abandon your own thoughts and beliefs. And for me at the time, back in 2015, I just remember thinking to myself, fuck, we're growing apart me and my partner were growing apart. We are not aligned anymore, but there was such a stigma about women who were achieving and women who were succeeding in life and women who were up leveling beyond their partner. And I just, I, I think I was ashamed. Like looking back now, I think I was very much so ashamed at the idea that I was growing apart from my husband. And um, there was a lot of just, confusion like what do you do with that kind of reckoning hmm. really right and right. and you see yourself and you're like wow we've been in a relationship for a long time we have two kids there's a lot of history here there's a lot of growing that we've done and there is still a lot of potential for more growth but that doesn't deny the fact that inside I really feel like we are two plants that are growing completely separately mm-hmm and so, you know, I did what every good girl is supposed to do, which is stick to your marriage, work it out, go to counseling, 
keep working at it. Um, keep trying to be there for your partner who is learning how to step into their own. And, you know, in, in, in 2018, I remember feeling like, and we just like, we just go through patterns, right? And you get caught up in this complacent pattern and you know, like relationships go through cycles. And so knowing that I was like, you know what, we're, we're going through a cycle. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this cycle again. And I remember in 2018, I was like, fuck, we've been through this same cycle of growing apart yet growing together and, and still trying to fumble our way through. And I told him like, I cannot keep going through this cycle anymore. And so from here on out, the, the values or principles that we're going to live on is going to be radical transparency and radical honesty. And so what that meant for me was we are gonna be honest with each other and transparent with, with each other, no matter how hard or difficult those truths need to be. And so in the spirit of being radically honest, um, one day he, you know, looked at me and was like, what, what is one thing that you've never told me in the 16 years we've been together? And I was like, oh, holy fuck. Like this is, this is going to be a very interesting, um, and it's an, inter an interesting heavy revy. I like to call them heavy revies, like heavy revolutions, <laughs> right? Um, or revelations. So this was, I was like, fuck, this is going to be a heavy revy. And I was like, well, okay, I'll share that if you share yours. And he said, yeah, of course. And so I said to him, like, um, I don't, I don't think I ever believed in monogamy, hmm. which is like, of course, a shock, <laughs> especially when, you know, you've been in a relationship with somebody for 16 years. And it's like, now you're going to say that you don't believe in monogamy mm -hmm. when our relationship was literally built on compulsive monogamy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, well, we're going to have to unpack that one through some therapy. <laughs> and I, and I looked at him and I said, okay, well, it's your turn. What is this one truth that you've never told me before? And he looked at me and was like, um, well, I, I have always had this fantasy of watching you get fucked by another man. And I was like, well, this could possibly work out pretty <laughs> like we can hard. work with that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, we can kind of work with this. Right. And of course, you know, we had months of having conversations around this heavy revy. We also decided to, you know, do some research on our own, reading books, um, talking to people that we knew who potentially had um, open relationships or have explored non-monogamy. And I even found myself um, finding interest in somebody that uh, I knew who used to be an old client of mine from years ago. And I knew he was non-monogamous. And so I was telling my um, ex-husband like, hey, this could be a really great potential person to explore this with. Cause he was like, how the fuck do you even go find people who are like right. non-monogamous, right? And I go, well, I'm pretty sure there's apps for that. Like they're like, here we are literally like baby people going, how the fuck are we exploring like non-monogamy? And so, you know, there was a lot of conversations about what it was we were going to explore and also trying to understand what I was seeking in my explorations of that. And he knew based on what I shared, I didn't want to just like have a shit ton of fuck buddies. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to know that if I found myself in deep connection with somebody, because I, I've realized I'm, I'm pretty close to being demisexual and sapiosexual, I need intellect and emotion to turn me on sexually, then I want to know that if somehow I find myself physically connecting with somebody or deliciously flirting with somebody that I'm not crossing the lines of our relationship, that right. this is an open discussion, that there is conversation around desires and that there is an ability to safely explore these desires if we are consenting both to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I found myself like desiring that he was like, oh, I think the thing that you're looking for is polyamory. And I was like, cool. Well, I know a client of mine who was polyamorous um, or was polyamorous in his previous relationship. So let me go and talk with him and see what the hell that was all about. I personally like field research by hearing from people's stories and their experiences. Those are things you never get to like learn thoroughly when reading a book or like reading a bunch of Reddit forums because people right. don't get honest with you, right? right? They don't tell you the hard shit. So 
he and I had a beautiful conversation about what his exploration was. And I was like, wow, well, in addition to not only thinking that this guy could be a really great candidate, I find myself in attraction to him. So I told my, my, my husband about him. I told my ex-husband that like, hey, I might have this interest in this person and it could be a safe option for us to explore this with because he already has language around it. It might not be weird. Might not have anything that comes out of it either. Um, but yeah, let's, let's you know, figure this out and, and talk that through. And so express my, you know, interest in this, in this other man. And my husband was still kind of trying to dive through the ideas of what it would be. And um, in the early stages of talking about it, I, I kind of jumped ahead and slept with him. Um, and uh, it was kind of like an oh shit. And then a week later, my husband was like, well, like, let's explore, you know, non-monogamy, like it's a green light, let's go ahead and do it. And I was like, oh fuck, I already kind of overstepped that boundary. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, a whole new conversation of, well, what do we do now? How do we, how do we, how do we move forward with integrity? And how do we move forward with being able to not only heal um, through infidelity, but also take a bold leap into um, non-monogamy. And so my journey, my personal journey into non-monogamy and polyamory was definitely not as clean as I wanted it to be. But the journey after definitely was with a lot more integrity, a lot more slowness, a lot more consenting, and a whole lot more conversation than what we imagined it would be from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that. Just the whole story of it. Um, and also like the way you can vulnerably talk about your experience, I think is really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So what were the challenges you faced within non, non-monogamy and polyamory? What did that look like in terms of your relationship and things that you had to work through? Um, because I know that's a fear for a lot of people is like, yeah, it sounds good, but like what kind of shit is going to come up with that? I mean, you know, I think when we like looking back now, when me and my husband were like, yeah, you know, non-monogamy, this is going to be great. Um, we both, and, and I don't like to speak on his behalf. We have a big golden rule that we do not speak on the behalf of any of our family members or friends, um, or people in our intimate lives because they have their own lived experience. And if they feel comfortable talking about it, they'll definitely share their own experience about it. Um, but from my experience, the most challenging thing with it was learning how to be truly, truly honest with your desires. And then also reassuring your partner that these desires are present and there's space to talk about it mm-hmm. and there's space to be able to like have that open line of communication so that there is an opportunity to kind of turn over every single possible leaf before taking the, the steps in order to explore what that might look like. And so I think the biggest challenges were really having to learn how to be purely aware of what's present in yourself, in your body, in your own reality, in your mind, and then openly communicating that while taking ownership of your own feeling and not projecting your thoughts or behaviors onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so multi-layered, but it's like the most powerful thing ever. And I say that that's challenging because how many of us can really truly be open and honest with how we're feeling? That's just hard. That takes a lot of therapy in my experience. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a lot of therapy. And I think it takes a lot of acceptance. And also it takes a lot of being present. So, you know, in my experience, um, there was a lot of moments where it was like, I have this desire or I want to go do this. um, And I can see that that desire is presently alive in me, but it doesn't mean that I need to act on it right now. Mm -hmm. However, I would like to have a conversation about it. Yeah. And so that I think was really hard because, you know, sometimes you don't know what's going on in you. You don't really know what's like really kind of alive and present until you take the time to unpack all that. And then sometimes I think for the other person in our situation, some of the things that would happen would be that my ex-husband would be like, yeah, yeah, that feels really good. You can totally do that. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, wait a second, actually I'm freaking out over here and that's not cool with me anymore. Mm -hmm. Or like, I thought I could do that. 
and I really couldn't. And then it would be an emotional like blow up. And then here we are trying to repair from like an emotional, an emotional, yeah, like crisis almost. And so the hardest thing in that was like, if both partners cannot be fully responsible for their own internal emotional landscape, that can make non-monogamy really challenging. Mm. We have a saying in our household about like our own emotional well-being is like, don't give me your monkeys or like, I don't want to hold your baby. And sometimes I'll, you know, if I go to my fiance and I'm like, I'm, I'm dealing with this and this and this and this, he's like, I love you. I will help you hold your baby, but I don't want to hold that baby for you. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm not taking control of my own shit right now. And, and I think I find that there is a, when we come to these kinds of conversations and, um, you know, you're working through emotional shit. There's also a lot of shame that we have to unpack with whatever emotion, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it can be very secondary, you know, anger or shame around whatever's coming up for you. So like, yeah, I'm having this emotional experience about something. And now I'm having the shame about the emotional experience Mm -hmm. that I'm having. There's Mm -hmm. so many layers I find to unpack. So did you experience within, you know, navigating this new relationship dynamic really with multiple people, did you experience any shame? Did that come up for you? Oh my God, definitely. I mean, I had a lot of shame, even acknowledging that I believe in Mm non-monogamy. If if you think about like just the history of female sexuality, female sexuality was roped with a shit ton of objectification Mm -hmm. and female sexuality was never something that a female was taught she can own herself. Her sexuality was supposed to be given to the man. It was a man's property. It was like her body and sex was deemed only, like was only allowed for reproduction and for a man's pleasure. So the Mm -hmm. fact that I even had this thought from when I was 18, 19 years old of wanting to have either experiences where I could be with multiple partners, group sex, um, or even just exploring what it might be like to openly be dating and openly be fucking Um, at like 19 years old. I was slut shamed by so many, well, not so many, but like my female friends at the time when I said, look, I don't know if it's, it's wrong for like women to have multiple partners or whatever, like multiple sex partners. Mm -hmm. And the immediate shame that I got of like, why do you even think that way? What's wrong with you? That was the words that came out of my friend's mouth. What's wrong with you? And I just was like, what the fuck is wrong with the double standard here? So it's cool for guys to go fucking around and it's cool for them to like be broing it out and saying, I've got multiple partners, but for a woman to do that, she's completely slut shamed. Mm-hmm. For a woman to even think that she might want the experience of having sex with one person one part of the day and then maybe sex with another guy later in the day, it's like it, she's a complete slut or like something is wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there was a lot of shame, not only in just being open and saying, hey, I don't believe in monogamy, especially because like 20 years ago, when I was 17, 18, there was no language around that. Right. Right. And so now, like, while we are finally having a different, a different language or language around polyamory or non-monogamy, there's still a lot of shame to say, yeah, I think I have a desire to have sex with like multiple people or to be open about my sexuality or to, 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 to claim things like, yeah, I, I have a desire for this other person and I has nothing to do with you. It's actually all about like my desire. Mm-hmm. It has nothing yeah. to do with your lack. Right. Right. So- right. And, and I think that gets misconstrued a lot that whatever it is that we want to do to enhance our sexual relationships is if I want to bring a toy into the bedroom or if I want to bring another partner, like whatever that looks like, it's often, I think viewed as like, oh, you must be lacking something in your sex life to want this additional thing. And that's not true. Mm -mm, No. And I mean, you know, when we got to square everything out after the first year and a half in um, my polyamorous relationship and, and, you know, truthfully, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to become a polyamorous relationship. That's Mm -hmm. not the intent that I had 
when I was exploring this. Um, I actually, in the beginning, wanted to keep them very separate um, and to, you know, have my husband and our relationship there. And then the occasional times where I would connect and like, and connect and be with my, my other partner and build a relationship there, but one that was very independent and inclusive of the relationship I had with my husband. Mm-hmm. My ex-husband actually was the one who wanted to um, get to know Chris. And he was the one who wanted to meet this person. And he was the one who actually wanted to introduce him to the kids a lot sooner than I was ready for. And that, it was great, um, obviously, because I think he was like trying to make me feel okay in terms of like, he was trying to like validate that there was no shame right. around this for me. Um, however, it was still very hard because of course, as a mom of two daughters, I'm like, what are my daughters going to think? And here I am still also unlearning my own perspectives of like purity culture and religion around what it means to have multiple partners and multiple like sexual experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, uh, (laughs) it was a bit of an unraveling, but it was also a, a beautiful, like, okay, well, I guess if, if my husband's game, like we're going to do more of a kitchen table polyamory, which means everybody kind of knows what's going on um, and be able to be open about it and to be able to share that with like the girls. And while that sharing didn't happen to like two, almost like two years later into the relationship, when they finally found out it was, it was definitely something that felt a lot more aligned with me in terms of what I was seeking with it all. Um, And it felt really great to have this like beautiful dynamic of these guys who got along really, really well. And my girls finally knew and it was starting to feel really, really great and awesome. Yeah. So how do you approach that conversation when you do have kids? What is that when you bring that up to them, when you just want to start bringing in, you know, another partner, whatever that looks like, how does that conversation go? I mean, I think there's no right or wrong answer, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think for us in that moment, we, we agreed that, you know, we wanted to make sure a, my secondary relationship was something that was going to be durable and something that was going to be sustainable. Right. And again, like I said, I didn't think that this would be, yes, I knew I was going to have a relationship with Chris, but I didn't think that it was going to be, um, I didn't think it was going to be that like in the beginning, I didn't know I was going to fall in love. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to have a lot of love, but I didn't know I was going to fall in love. And sometimes I think that's the, the tricky thing about love is like, you can't really control it right? It just kind of unfolds and it kind of, it kind of just happens. And so it took about maybe a year, a year and a half of us just making sure that a John and I found John is my ex-husband found some stability in our polyamorous relationship. And then there was durability between my, my relationship with Chris, like, okay, well, I can seeing myself dating this person for some period of time. And my kids are getting older. My daughters are now 17 and 11. So when we told them it was a year, a year ago, and uh, my daughter was starting to just like talk a little bit more openly about um, sexual orientation and her possible like explorations and her unfolding in her mind. And so I was like, you know what, I think, I think this is a discussion that we can like finally have with them. Mm -hmm. And so how we brought it up was we, we, I mean, we, we just kind of brought it up. We told him the story about how we had a discussion about non-monogamy, how that all thing unfolded. We told our daughter about the very brief like affair that happened um, between Chris and I, where me and her dad were still kind of discussing non-monogamy. And I went and slept with him before I got like the green light in non-monogamy a week later. And so she got roped into the whole thing. And we just basically was like, this is polyamory, not polygamy. So your mom's not, doesn't have two, two spouses. Um, she has her husband and her boyfriend, and this does not change the way the setup is between your parents. This does not mean that he is a secondary parent to you. Um, this doesn't change the way we love you. This is really just about 
how mom is getting her needs met because there are certain things that her dad can't provide that um, I'm able to get from my relationship with Chris. And it allows me to feel a whole lot more whole as a woman. And so we basically approach that, that, that topic in the same way that we approached our sex conversation with her, which was just like, here's what it is. If you have any questions about it, we know you're probably going to read up on it, but we want to make sure that you know that we are here as a resource for you to have this conversation with. And then our little one was just kind of like an easy one. I was just like, so I just want to talk to you a little bit about like your mom's, you know, relationship set up and your mom has a boyfriend and it doesn't change anything. And she just was like, so was I the last person to know? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And she goes, why? And I'm like, because you're the younger one. And she goes, that's not fair. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, it was funny because like, she just was definitely a lot more open with it. Whereas I think my eldest one was a little bit more confused. Right. And I think more confused just because we kind of gave her too much in the beginning, right? Like it was like, here's the whole thing. And she probably was like, that's a lot of information that I need to digest. But I think that there is something really magical to be said about like being open with the relationship, with your relationship status and that side of your life with your kids to an extent, because I remember very vividly, I was very young, but I remember kind of like having the sex talk with my mom and then maybe like a month later, it hitting me that my parents had sex, like that they still had sex. And I don't remember why or what came up, but that was very traumatic for me because I didn't see, you know, we didn't talk about that. My mom was open in a lot of ways, but not necessarily about her relationships or not that she's supposed to tell me about her sex life, but you know what I mean? Like she wasn't really, that wasn't like a conversation and, and the, the way they kept, you know, romance alive and things like that wasn't a conversation. Um, and so I think to, to imagine that was, or just to think about the idea that like, oh, my parents have sex was like, it hit me like, like a brick wall truly, where I was like, I was not emotionally prepared for, um, that like realization, I guess, of like their relationship extent. And so I, I think that part of that is because I was very sheltered from like their relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that, and my mom and I've talked about this a lot now is that I didn't know a lot of stuff was going, you know, what happened in their relationship and their relationship dynamic. And they're very much mom and dad to us, not also husband and wife. And so I think that, that you sharing all that to say, I think you sharing that is, with your kids is so I just amazing to me. I think that that's something that they do have to know and understand. And like, they see that in, when they see that with their parents, it changes the relationships they have as they get older too. Yeah. You know, and I, and I also think too, it's like the way that I see it is I, I grew up with one example of what relationships are supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a very heteronormative Catholic upbringing, what marriage and relationships are supposed to look like. Right. And so with that, I, I took on a lot of shame thinking differently. Yeah. I took on a lot of shame when I wanted to explore sex before uh, marriage. I also took on a lot of shame because I wanted to explore sex after uh, my sexual trauma. And that was confusing because it was like, oh my God, I've experienced, you know, sexual trauma. And all of a sudden it's like, I, I want sex. Like I want the thing that was taken from me. Right. Right. Um, and so there was just a lot of shame around my body, around connection, around relationships. And when I became a mom, I was like, I don't want my daughters growing up with that same feeling of shame. Mm-hmm. I do not want them to have that story of shame. And so one of the things that my ex-husband and I have um, like a rule that we, we, we hope to teach our kids is that sex can exist without love and love can exist without sex. And I think that's a very important uh, rule, at least for me, for them to know, because I would hate for them to get into a future relationship where they feel pressured to have sex just because love is present. Mm-hmm. So what if they're not ready? Yeah. Or I would hate for them to want to explore sex and be like in their full on sexual freedom in the way that they define it, but then feel like they can't have it because love needs to be present. 
Because I feel like that can also be very dangerous too. Well, and also I would say mistaking sex for love too. I think we've all done that at some points in our lives. Oh my God, so many points of our lives. Like we're having sex, I must be in love. And it's like, that may not be it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's like, no, 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 honey. Your body has three different brains that you need to listen to. (laughs) Your pussy, your heart, your mind. And then obviously you have to listen to your, like your whole entire body as well, right? So it's like there's so many parts of it. I wish I'd had someone be like, no, sweetie, you don't love him. He just fucks you good. Like, it's okay. (laughs) Because yeah, I think that's seriously. a lot to navigate sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in in the wake of, of divorce and, you know, shedding beliefs and ideas, like you said about, about marriage, what, I, I know you recently shared that you had a funeral for your old self, which I thought that was amazing. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, in recognizing a lot of things um, within my old marriage and, you know, it's funny because I want to take a little like sidestep here and just like, just state that the polyamory and the non-monogamy was not the thing that broke our marriage. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask you that too. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. It was not the thing that broke the marriage. To be honest, it was the thing that opened up so many more possibilities for us Mm -hmm. and it allowed us to communicate in ways that we never communicated before it allowed us to put our feelings and emotions to the forefront instead of hiding it behind like walls with each other and it gave us an opportunity to really feel what unbounded unconditional love meant right because it's like how do you navigate watching your partner fall in love with someone like holy fuck that's a big thing Mm -hmm. right and then in addition to that for me it was like how do I navigate really being present and patient with my partner while they are trying to understand what this new reality means for them and changing that space of their identity and the amount of like therapy that we went through to really work through this together and to build a great foundation was really incredible What broke our marriage, however, was a lot of the unhealed wounds and trauma from the past that we both like didn't know how to, A, I didn't know how to bring up again because it was so way in the past. And for him, he wasn't quite ready to take responsibility and ownership for some of those things. And it was a really hard decision because I'll be fucking honest, like, I, I loved my polyamorous setup. Mm-hmm. I deeply loved it. And I felt like I finally was able to explore the thing I thought was never fucking possible. Mm-hmm. However, like just the parts of us that needed to grow up in our marriage container wasn't going to happen in our marriage. It needed to happen independently. So I just want to put that out there yeah. because I don't want people thinking that non-monogamy is going to be the, like, I don't want people thinking like, oh, I'm never going to bring up non-monogamy because holy fuck, here's this woman who did explore it, was really, really proud of it. And it was going really well. And then all of a sudden the marriage collapsed. Yeah. No, the marriage didn't collapse because of that. There were just a lot of things that like, I don't think we really realized surfaced up until that. And then it was just like, oh, like that, that needs to be worked on. Mm -hmm. And for me, yeah, I'll be honest. I wasn't willing to give this part of myself up because it was something that I knew intuitively was part of me. And in addition to that, I didn't want to deal with any more emotional abuse. I just was over it. So just want to put that out there. Um, In terms of the funeral of my old self, getting back into that, I think just, you know, a lot of the things I just said about just the emotional abuse, the fighting, the, the warrior of the woman that my old version of self was for the last 18 years in that relationship and the previous life before that, her 18 years of her old life really needed to be put to rest. And one of the things that I really wanted to put to rest with my former self was the idea that um, the idea or the need to struggle for love. Mm. Because that version of me, John's wife, my former self, had always struggled for her need for love in that marriage and in that relationship. I 
was never able to talk openly about my emotions or feelings because I never felt it was safe. And it wasn't safe in that relationship. It was really hard to be able to be honest in that relationship for years until the non-monogamy happened. Um, and I also was constantly feeling not enough in that marriage um, and in that relationship. And that definitely was not a him thing. That was a me thing. And I also knew that I was too much for that relationship as well. So there were a lot of these things that I just wanted to put to rest in that, um, in that period of life, because I, I know the power of contextualizing things, right? Like we know the fucking power of contextualizing things. You want to write down your fears and burn it. There's something about burning those fears that feels so real of releasing and letting it go. And it was the same thing. I was like, I don't want my old patterns to show up in my future life, in my future relationships. I want to be able to be honest right from the get-go. I want to be able to just like take a lot of the things that I knew was possible because I knew, I knew for myself that I communicate really fucking clearly. I know it's present in my body and I know all those things are alive and well in me and I know I'm a complex woman. So those are things of my former self that I'm gonna take on, but the need to struggle for love, I no longer wanted to take on with me. And I wanted to put it to rest with her. I also wanted to put to rest the woman who didn't know how to enforce her boundaries sooner than later. And the woman who you know didn't know how to communicate like her boundaries in a way that like allowed for space of growth. And yeah, the ceremony was <laughs> really symbolic in a lot of ways. Um, it was funny, I called on my friend who happened to be a sexual empowerment coach. Her name is Anne Nguyen. She's also here in the Bay Area. And I was like, what other fucking witchy bruja will like be down to do a ceremony like this with me and not call me crazy? And she goes, duh, dude, funeral. Like <laughs> that is so <laughs> symbolic and so right up your Scorpio ass alley. So yes, we are doing this for you. And um, she told me to like write a eulogy, just basically honoring the life of just, just like that you would write a eulogy. So I spent, I think two hours over the course of two days writing one. And I remember like, you know, I just moved into my new place post-divorce. And so uh, I pulled out a dress that John didn't like. Um, he like, you know, when I bought it, he's like, I don't really like that dress on you. I was like, oh, I freaking love this dress. So I wore that dress to the funeral. Um, and you looked so hot. I saw the pics. <laughs> It's just kind of like, a, I mean, you know, he didn't like it and, and not because he, he was like sour about it. He just didn't like it. You know, I'm like, well, this is a black dress. I'm going to wear this thing. And um, it was just great. The weather was awesome. The eulogy that I wrote, I didn't even use those words. Cause I just was like, I don't need to remind you of the life that you lived. You already lived it. I also don't need to remind you of the strength that you carry because you know you're a fucking bad bitch. Like I was like, John's wife, you did so much work in that relationship to bring it to creation. And you were fully present throughout all that. And I honor all of that. And what I, the most beautiful thing that happened in that moment was what I said to her was, what I didn't have enough um, time to share with you was, and the things that I didn't say was that I am so forever grateful that you liberated yourself so that you can liberate me mm -hmm. and I'm like getting emotional at that thought right now because I just like there was so much of her that hid so much of her truth because she was so afraid mm -hmm. she was so afraid to be free about how she loved about how she thought about sex about the life she wanted for her girls about the love that she knew was out there and possible but like here's the relationship that like she might be settling for because it's what she was conditioned to believe that she had to do and so that funeral was an opportunity for me to say thank you for like breaking all of that so that I could be the person I can be for my future and um you know I'm still celebrating that life now even a week later after that ceremony and a lot of it's still so fucking fresh but I personally think 
when we say goodbye to former versions of ourselves, a funeral is so fucking needed and it could be so small. Like it doesn't need to be anything. Like mine was just on the beach and it just so happened to be, it, it happened to be that beautiful. Cause my friend was like, oh, I got some bouquet of flowers. I should probably bring them. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. And then we were like, what should we eat? And she was like, oh, maybe we should just go by the store. So like we went to the store and picked up a bunch of things but like none of this was like planned. Everything was super serendipitous and organic. And then I, I, looking back at it now, I'm like, this would have been the exact way I would have planned a funeral for my former self. Popping a bottle of champagne, eating charcuterie by the beach, <laughs> hanging with an, a, a girlfriend that doesn't look at me crazy for having this. <laughs> you know? And being able to just honor and celebrate and send my love and respect out for the version of me that helped pave the way for the version of me today. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's such a good point is like the version of us that goes through shit is also the version of us that gets us to like that next level or to where we are now. And I think there's a lot to honor about that. Cause as we go through shit and we work through shit, it's easy to beat ourselves up or, or say, why did I do this? Why did I put up with this? Whatever it is but also realizing that that same version got you here. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of that, like <clears throat> looking back at my marriage, I wish I knew sooner mm-hmm. what I knew, but like, like Glennon Doyle beautifully says in her book, Untamed, once you know, you can't unknow. And sometimes you don't know when you need to leave, or you don't know when a truth of yours can be fully expressed safely. Mm -hmm. right? Like we talk a lot about, you know, me, me and my ex-husband, John, we talk a lot about how, why couldn't I say that I believed in non-monogamy 18 years ago when our relationship first started? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, he and I both admit to each other, if I had said that because he grew up with like this very Catholic upbringing and only one idea of what it looked like for relationships, he would have never given me a chance. Mm -hmm we would have never had a beautiful life of 18 years together. We would have never had our kids. We would have never tried marriage out. We would have never done all those things. Mm-hmm. And had we not, just because I told the truth then when it wasn't something that was right, like it wasn't the ripe time, not right, but like ripe, like the ripeness of fruit, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't the ripe time for us to be able to express express those truths. And we wouldn't have had the tools to like work through those those truths back then. And so, yeah, it just, it allowed me to say, that funeral allowed me to say, thank you for all of that too. Mm-hmm. And release the guilt and the shame of feeling like I should have left my marriage sooner, or I should have done this, or I should have spoken up, or I should have walked away when it got really, really toxic, or all those fucking should haves, because all those should haves don't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. They're just there. There are moments, you know? So in this journey of, of both mourning and grieving that, but also sort of like a rebirth, right? I guess is the, I don't know if that's how you would describe it, but that's kind of Hell how you yeah. hear it. Yeah, <laughs> like this rebirth of you. What does that process look like? As like you mentioned, you know, healing and, and mending from emotional abuse and exploring a new, a, a new life in a way. What does that yeah. rebirth like? I mean, I don't know. I'm still in it. Uh, <laughs> I still feel like, you know, it's funny because I didn't intend for this to happen either. I, I did not intend my like funeral old self to be on Friday, the Friday before Easter, right? Yeah. Like I did not intend all of that to be literally on those days. So it was funny because Sunday came around and I felt fucking great. Like I was like, holy shit, this feels amazing. And I looked at my partner and I was like, I don't know. I feel like Lazarus coming out of his like cave. And he goes, I cannot believe you Bible referenced right now. I was like, <laughs> I can't either. But that was the best description that I could offer in this moment. And um, when Monday hit for me, I kind of felt like, oh shit. Like here is this like, you know, this really great emotional high. And then you kind of like get back into reality and you're like, whoa, I'm in my rebirth phase right now. Mm -hmm. And so 
what it kind of feels like is still another process of shedding. And it's still another process of what do my new arms and limbs and legs feel like? What is walking feel like again? What is breathing feel like again? It's literally as if, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to be conscious about your old patterns. You've said goodbye to those old patterns. So they're not present. So it's literally like another transition. And I was just telling my clients this, that any single time we go through transition, I believe there are three phases of each transition. There is the first part of change or transition where it's the shedding, it's the releasing. There's the second part, which is the messy middle where you have the fucking releasing and then the digesting and the processing of it all. And it's really messy because you don't know the outcome. Everything is still kind of, it's still very fluid. And then you have the other part where you've cleared the space off. You can kind of see the foundational elements in there, but you still don't really know what you're building yet. And that's kind of where this rebirth is literally like an infant child of like, I'm just at the stage of trying to figure out all the pieces now of this new life and what I want to call into it. And it's been pretty amazing so far because what I also like to tell my clients when they're like, I don't know, I don't have an answer. I'm like, the beautiful part about being in that slate is that anything can be the answer. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I think with any sort of rebirth, you know, this like between Instagram and the way the world is, it's sometimes easy to glamorize, um, and romanticize, like, you know, shedding and like starting a new thing and it can feel really pretty and it's not, it's shit sometimes. And you've got to muck through it. And it's not like we wake up one day and we're like, Oh, all these things are better today there it's I like the way you describe it as like it is a process it is a part of the transition where you have to relearn things and new beliefs and how you conduct yourself and um I just really like the way that you you break that down yeah I also think too you know a lot of people are telling me to be patient with myself in this process and and like my fucking name says it says go fit joe so I'm so used to being on the go Mm -hmm. uh but the on the go part or the constantly moving is also I'm recognizing is a trauma response to all the complex trauma that I've had in the past. And so my fear of standing still is due to the fact that my body thinks it's going to be in threat. Mm -hmm. So what I have to tell myself constantly these days is there is no threat. You've escaped from every possible threat, even the emotional abuse of that previous relationship. And they say like, you know, people say like the, the, the hardest relationship to be in is the healthy one after the toxic relationships. And I'm really learning that to be true because there are moments in my current relationship that I have with myself, not with my partner, but with myself, where I have to check myself and go, wait a second, is this something that you really want to bring in here right now? Mm-hmm. Or is this a story from your past? is this a behavior of your past, right? Or is this a thinking of your past? And so being able to be present rather than patient with myself has been really, really important. And I always like, just want to say, like, if you're going through a transition, if you're going through divorce, if you're going through another rebirth, people always say, just be patient and graceful with yourself. I'd like to offer a reframe of the word patient and say, be present with yourself because Patience is like time and we know time is like fleeting and a fucked up concept, but when you're time isn't real, (laughs) time isn't real, but when you're present with yourself, it doesn't matter how much time you need. You're just present with your emotions. And what I've noticed is when you're present, time goes fucking quicker (laughs) because you're actually there with yourself Mm -hmm. and you're holding yourself in a beautiful space. Yeah. So what is what's on the horizon for you in this new phase of your life as you're exploring things. And like you said, like learning to walk again, learning to be in your body. What does this look like? 
I mean, you know, the most exciting thing is my secondary partner is now my primary partner. And that's really new for us. Like that's a new dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, I also get to explore what it means to be a single parent and solo parenting. And that's really, 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 really challenging, but it's also, um, it's teaching me a lot about myself and it's teaching me a lot about what are the lessons that I, as a mother of these girls want to tell my kids, um, and share with my daughters in spite or not in spite of, but despite like, like my partnership, right? Like now I get to be like, these are the lessons of a woman, not the lessons of a woman who happens to be a wife, but a lessons of a woman. And I think that's far more impactful because then it's like, this is my, these, these are, yeah, these are the lessons I am learning as a woman. Not as someone's partner in that sense, but but me being a partner to myself. Um, there's a whole like just restructuring of my business that's happening, which is really, really exciting, very, very scary, changing a lot of different offerings, the ones that I'm really excited for. Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but it's bringing me back to my roots, which is really, really important because it's a stage of like remembering who I am. And so what I mean by that is, you know, I was offering, um, I was offering like six weeks of intensive coaching. And the reason why I did that was because I broke up my breakthrough days, which my breakthrough days used to be my bread and butter when I used to coach before, uh, when I was doing more life coaching. And now I'm actually exploring what it means to have breakthrough days in sex, love and relationship coaching Mm -hmm. and offering an eight hour intensive day of really kind of helping women break apart some of the sexual hangups that they have, the love hangups, the relationship attachment theories, all that stuff, inner childhood wounding um, and healing from a lot of that. And then integrating that into new self plus ending it with like breath work and self-pleasure practices and some, um, yeah, just other explorations of embodiment. And I'm really fucking stoked on that. Really yeah. stoked. Yeah. That's so exciting. So where can everyone find you? Where's all your info? Go ahead and plug everything you got. Yeah, you can find me on my podcast. It's called Nothing Confidential. You can also find me online. Everything social right now is at GoFitJoe. And you can find me on my website, GoFitJoe.com. That's G-O-F-I-T-J-O.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing everything so vulnerably. I really appreciate you being here. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for holding space. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Get Cliterate podcast. We release a new episode every single week, so go ahead and hit subscribe. We'd love for you to leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show. You can learn more about myself, your host, Callie Shea, by visiting my website, CallieShea.com, or by visiting my Instagram, at Callie Shea. If you want to stay in the loop with what's happening on the podcast, you can follow at Get Clitorate on Instagram.